The wait is finally over. The U.S. men's national team is back in action, and we will break it all down here. This is the SBI Show. I am Garrett Cleverly. With me is Ivis Galarsev. How's it going, dude? Going pretty well. I've uh, survived the the, uh, the latest uh, uh, so-called snowmageddon. As you all probably know by now, uh, New Jersey was spared. We, we, we didn't get that much snow at all. I mean, we got some snow, but it was nowhere near what, what people thought it would be. But uh, I still managed to get sick, though. I was wiped out all day on Tuesday. I was just in bed, just really sick. But I'm feeling better now. I got the cough drops. I got the tea. Uh, and I'm ready. I'm ready for our preview show, man. Yeah, dude. Lots of t- not just preview for the U.S. men's national team. Tons of major league soccer news over the last two days since we did our show on Sunday. I mean, more importantly, though, I just I mean, thank thank God you survived the storm this time. I mean, it, it looked, the news reports made it seem like everyone was gonna, you know going to die. It, it was embarrassing. It was the 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 media coverage was ridiculous. I mean. Uh, I mean, it's, it's just hilarious to me that how uh, how some of the well, CNN is the worst about it. I mean, they had a blizzard mobile. They had people doing selfies, <laughs> people doing selfie stick reporting. It was um, it was just. I mean, and you watch it. Cause what's it's like, what's up with selfie sticks, by the way? Is that, is that weird? Well, That's weird, man. Look, people can do that if they. I'm not. You know what? It, it, sometimes you're in a place where you want to get a nice shot, and you're by yourself. You don't have anyone to take it for I you. Yes, I, to- I totally get that. I don't think you should use it all the time, and I don't think you should use it if you're on TV. Like yeah. if you're a TV report, you should. Get, if you don't have your own cameraman, you should just go home. You should. You should. You should not be trying to be a CNN on-site reporter with a selfie stick. I just thought that was a little extreme, but uh, it was fine. You know, the kids got got to play in the snow. There was no school today, so they were pretty happy. But uh, like you said, you know, the, these two days uh, turned out to be you know crazy busy. Uh, you know what what started out as a preview show and we, we've got a list of things to talk about that this is this is probably more than we talk about on the regular show well this is our our preview show it, it's we will still we will still talk about the u.s men's national team but there is a ton of major league soccer news to talk about the first thing is a blockbuster trade between new york red bulls and montreal impact that listeners ivis got wind of in our last show uh i don't know what you're talking about <laughs> Did, this is this is why we need to get that abc like the bump 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 every time you're about to drop news because last time you hinted this on, on the previous show we did well yeah i mean i, I did i um obviously I, I i knew about the trade uh beforehand i couldn't i couldn't write about it sometimes you know you have you got some info you can't really go with you can't really touch on um but the, this trade has been in the works for for a while now it started out a couple of weeks ago as as conversations about the number one allocation spot. Uh, the mm-hmm. Red Bulls, the Red Bulls approached Montreal, uh, and it started it started from there. And, and Montreal really wanted Ambrose Ayango as a as a starting point, and then the trade just kind of grew from there. And now you've got this 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 multi player trade that I can see already. Red Bulls fans are pretty upset about, and uh, as I said, they would be. I I, I said that when I was kind of teasing this 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 trade that was uh, that was on the horizon. Um, Overall, it's an interesting trade, I have to say, for both sides. On the surface, the, the initial reaction, I can definitely understand why Red Bulls fans are up in arms about the deal. But I actually think for both teams, it can work. It can. It makes sense. Uh, what makes it a little kind of sh- not shaky, but a little unfortunate for the Red Bulls is the fact that they they, they haven't been able to announce the signing of Sasha Kluston along with the trade because you're kind of leaving fans in limbo because, you know, they don't know what's coming, even though everyone kind of has an idea that it's going to be Sasha Kleshin. I know there were there was there were reports suggesting that the Red Bulls still haven't made a decision. I know I think Ali Curtis may, maybe it was even quoted as such. But, I mean, it's going to be Sasha Kleshin. I mean, they're going to work that out. They're still hammering out the details 
barring a, a barring a last minute debacle, I'm pretty sure that's going to go down. But as far as the trade goes, if you're Montreal, you have to be really happy uh, being able to get so much for uh, an allocation spot that really doesn't mean that much to you, considering you know there aren't that many more American players that can come over via allocation. Uh, and and secondly, you're trading a player in Felipe Martins who wasn't in your plans. So to be able to trade away two commodities that didn't mean that as much to you, and you get yourself an exciting young talent in Ambrose Ayongo and a consistent, reliable, steady, underrated midfielder in, in, in Eric Alexander. Uh, if you're if you're if you're uh, Frank Lopez, you got to be pretty happy. Now, as far as Red Bulls fans, I know they're up in arms, and I totally get it, totally understandable, because they these are the players that they know. Ambrose Ayango is a player they know. He's exciting. They could see a bright future for him. He's already he's doing well in the in African Cup of Nations, so there's that buzz about the kid, right? He's an exciting player. Um, however, uh, you're getting a player in Felipe who's not that much older. He's actually a pretty young player. He has proven himself to be an effective playmaker in MLS. So he, you know, he he don't, don't consider him kind of a throwaway player. He's a player who could actually be pretty effective for you. And more importantly, Sasha Kleshin, a player for me who I really get the sense that fans in general are a little aloof about and a little, uh, I think they're underrating the guy because you can't go off of his national team results and and, and factor that as how he's going to do in MLS because when he was in MLS before, Sasha Kleshin was one of the best players in the league, one of the best midfielders in the league, and this was years ago. He is a much better player now. He has much more experience now. He's actually doing really well now for Anderlecht. He's, he's worked his way back in as a regular for Anderlecht. He is going to come in once the deal goes uh, gets done, barring anything crazy. If Sasha, When Sasha Kleshin comes here, I think he's going to do really well in MLS. He's coming to play for a coach who he knows really well, a former teammate of his, Jesse Marsh. Uh, so we'll, we'll see how that goes. I, I think, you know, it's tough right now for Red Bulls fans, especially with the way the offseason's gone. Mm-hmm. So many things that, that have just sh- shaken their system. I mean, you know, Omni retires, Pecky's fired, Olave gets traded, uh, and now you, Alexander and Oyang, Oyango go. So it's you're kind of looking at it like, what in the heck is going on? This team is a mess. But you know what? Not to say that the plan that they're putting in place is definitely going to work, but it does. There are if you kind of look, take a step back, look at the pieces that they're putting in the place. Uh, there, there, there is, there does seem to be a plan here. We'll see if it works out. But I tell you what, they're going to need Sasha Question if the deal is down as it should. They're going to need him to really tear it up. And on the uh, other complete side of the coast, Ivis, you have the LA Galaxy. I mean, they traded up for possibility of getting Question. I mean, they can't be happy about this at all. Oh, absolutely not. I mean, what we're looking at right now is potentially the second time in six months yeah. that the Galaxy has made a trade and traded away a player in order to make room and, and, and position themselves to sign Sasha Kleshin. And uh, now it's looking like they won't, they, you know, he's not, they're not going to get him. And uh, I'm sure some people will say, well, that's crazy. Like, how do you make a mistake like that? I'm sure the Galaxy have a plan B. I'm sure they're looking at it. I mean, they still have the third spot in allocation order. If Kleshin goes to the Red Bulls, they'll, and they'll be second. They'll be right in position to get another American if someone comes in, maybe a Bobby Wood. I know uh, he's someone who might be available. Um, so for the Galaxy, they can't be happy. But I'll tell you what, if anything, I'm sure the Galaxy, uh, I know for a fact the Galaxy had spoken to Montreal, and maybe they were under the impression that the price that Montreal was uh, was asking for for that top pick would make it impossible for other teams to to, to, to make a deal with Montreal. So you, got, you know what? If you want to give somebody credit, you give the Red Bulls credit. They stepped up. They paid a very steep price to get themselves Sasha Kleshin, and, and if they pull it off, Mm-hmm. Uh, when you start looking at that midfield now, 
Uh, you have, you have uh, potentially Felipe Martins, Sasha Kleshin. Uh That's a serious boost in creativity and attacking quality. And what I think, pe- and I know some people are still going to look at it and say, well, Eric Alexander played so well with Dax McCarty. How do you break that tandem up? What I'd say to that is what needs to be like magnified is the fact that Thierry Henry yeah. is, is gone. You have to you have to reconstruct your team. You have to you can't just like have that hole, that big hole that he leaves, keep everything else the same. The Red Bulls have already made it clear they're not gonna go get a superstar player in there. And who would they even get to be to do what Henri used to do? So without an Henri there, you have to reconfigure the rest of your team. And I think what they've done here is uh, they've upgraded their midfield considerably. I mean, say what you want, no knock on Eric Alexander. I think he's a really reliable player. I think he's a beast, bit underrated player. But Sasha Kleshin is a better player than Eric Alexander. He is significantly better. He is a better attacking player, more creative player. He is a serious, serious upgrade. Uh, I think Felipe, we want to talk about Felipe Martins. He, for me, is a better playmaker, can be a better playmaker than Peggy Luyandula was last year. So from that standpoint, you have upgraded your midfield. Uh, and Oyango, I know some people are going to be upset about Oyango, but you know he's still pretty raw. You yeah. know, he's, he's he, he had his who, moments last year. There, oh, you're, yeah. you're like, Ooh. absolutely. I mean, he's the guy who, while he, he he is exciting to watch at times, he's also a, he's also a frustrating player to watch. I mean, there were times at left back where he he would get beaten terribly. You know, so so he he isn't the finished product yet. So from that standpoint, I'd say this trade, I I, I think there is still that lingering resentment of the Petke firing of trading Olave away, of losing Henri and, and, and having there be no kind of follow-up plan to replace him. So I think all those things have kind of colored this move in a, in a, in a much more negative light than it deserves. Um, but I think once Kleshton gets here, and, and if Jesse Marsh can get Felipe Martins playing well again, let's not forget, when Felipe Martins was killing it, killing it MLS, Jesse Marsh was his coach. So let's see what happens here. Let's see if, if Marsh can get the best out of him. So... I think you know people that are going crazy. You're entitled to go crazy. You're, if you're a Red Bulls fan, you can you can feel how you want. No no one should tell you how to feel about it. But what, all I'm saying is there just might be a method to the madness. Yeah, it, for, I mean for New York, just looking at it, Ivis, it, it just looks like a great trade for them. You know, as we talked about, Youngo, young guy, kind of all over the place. Eric Alexander, you know what you're going to get. But question: New York needs someone who can create chances and goals for them. He can come in. Uh, and do that. New York also, Ivis, w- was not quiet. They also went out and signed three defenders. You know, we've been talking about New York's had a very quiet offseason. They haven't really had a lot of player movement. Things are starting to heat up. New York brings in three defenders that make you kind of say, oh, okay, good pieces, but but nothing that, that was, you know, no one that has a big marquee name that they're bringing in. Right. I mean, the three the three defenders that they've signed, I mean, none of them, I, I would say, are, are on the level of uh, Olave. So you're still, you're still a bit behind as far as that goes. Ibrahim Sagaya has not signed yet, but he is in camp. I think he will sign. I think that's a pretty safe bet. Um, but when you look at that kind of collection of defenders, I don't know if you – I don't I don't see any one of them being able to replace what Olave gave you. So from that standpoint, I could, there is a bit of a concern there. If you're a Rebels fan, you're looking at your defense and you're saying, what is our center back – what is our center back tandem? Who, who are going to be our starting central defenders? When you had Sagaya and Olave, they did pretty well. Now you have Olave gone. You have potentially Sagaya. He hasn't even really resigned yet, but let's just say he resigns. Then who are your starters? Is it going to be Sagaya uh, and Perinelli? Is it going to be Sagaya and uh, and Zubar, the new the new signing? Who he you know when you look at the kind of pedigree, you figure he he's a favorite to start. Mm-hmm. But then you have an Andrew John Baptiste, a guy who I know he had his struggles at Chivas USA. 
he was, I mean, the, their entire defense is pretty awful. There's, there's no two ways about it. It was a nightmare situation. But I remember an Andrew John Baptiste who played pretty well for the Portland Timbers. He was, you know, he started for them uh, that in Caleb Porter's first year. And when they really did well, he, he played a really steady game at center back. Now he comes home. He's a New York native. I think he's a guy who just might be uh, a bit of a diamond in the rough and someone that maybe Jesse Marsh can kind of polish off and 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 make him be the player that people thought he could be when he was drafted. Well, one player, uh, well, one one move that you thought that would probably start to heat up is, is that of Tim Cahill, Ivis. There's no update on him, even though he's scoring Galazos uh, for Australia. Um, I mean, you kind of wonder where this whole Tim Cahill situation is going to be in the next couple of weeks. Yeah, I mean, he's going to go. I mean, I, I don't think anyone honestly believes he will be wearing a Red Bull uniform when opening day comes around. Uh, the issue is, uh, as far as I understand it, he has a, from what I understand, he has a guaranteed contract for 2015. So he has some leverage in that if he doesn't want to go anywhere, he can just sit around and, and get paid. Um, so he needs to go somewhere like the Red Bulls have to work it out. So he goes somewhere that he wants to go. He has the, the control in this whole situation. He's got some power. So he and the Red Bulls have to come to an agreement on where he's going to go. Um, and I, for me, I, I mean, at this point, we don't know where he's going to go yet. But uh, for me, I, I don't think anyone anyone who's still kind of curious or, or uncertain about Cahill being back in 2015, I would say at this point, it's a, it, it's a pretty foregone conclusion. He will not be back. He will he will go. And, and you know, when you look at the Red Bulls and the, the way their team is made up, uh, you know, they lose Henri. They lose Cahill. You know, we saw this coming. Mike Pecky hinted at this in his last press, in his last, uh, you know, public uh, statement as the head coach of the Red Bulls after they got eliminated from the playoffs. He, he let us know there's going to be changes. There's going to be an emphasis on American players, on younger players. Uh, they're going to get away from this kind of big name DP model. And so along those lines, you can understand why they want to move, move Tim Cahill because, um, they can they can build without him, and he's also on a lot of money in 2015. I mean, he's he, he's his salary goes up quite a bit in 2015. So if you're the Red Bulls, you want to build with a, uh, an American team, a younger team, um, you need to move him as soon as you can. And speaking of young players, we actually talked about this player on on the last show. Tired ECU asked it. Um, he was wondering about the situation of young defender Matt Miazga. Uh, I was, he actually suffered an injury right now with uh, Red Bull Leipzig. It's it's not as serious as it as it once thought, but I mean, young player like this going away, training with a different foreign club, getting an injury. I mean, it just you know leaves you kind of worrying what, what's going on over there. Right. Uh, it, the whole situation is pretty much what I said on the last show that you know it, it, it's a it's a case of i know people were going freaking out oh there's a deal he's already heading over there they're going to sign him it's not that serious basically there's a relationship between the clubs uh they want to have some some synergy between the teams and they're going to have these training stints uh miaska is a player that they are that leipzig's familiar with they actually had him train with them before he even signed with the red bulls so there's a little bit of history there um and it goes back to the whole idea that when it comes to european teams or really teams anywhere but America, uh, there is no such thing as a training stint. Like the, the, the idea, the, the idea, the theory of a tr- just a training stint doesn't really exist. If you're a player and you're training with this team and you're not a part of this team, it is a trial. Whether or not that's what the purpose of it is, it, it's just it's just called a trial. So people they, they were a little bit confused on that and they thought, uh-oh, he's going there. Uh, he just has to have a good trial. Basically, look, if Mayaska shows up, showed up at Leipzig and and crushed it 
and was like a dominant player and they were just their jaws dropped and they're like this guy's unbelievable obviously at that point Leipzig's gonna talk to, to, to the Red Bulls and be like listen we want this guy we need him we're trying to get into the Bundesliga uh make this make this happen could that could that happen absolutely it could happen but again let's not forget MLS is involved MLS is not just gonna stand there and let Red Bull Leipzig take take any players they want off of the New York Red Bulls so from that standpoint uh, uh, people didn't have to necessarily be that concerned. And as I said on the last show, Miaska is still a really raw player. He's still young, uh, inexperienced. Um, this idea that he's going to come in this year and be ready to play a regular, on a regular basis as a starting center back in MLS, I think that's very ambitious. I think, if anything, you give him a full year as a starter in USL Pro, and I think he'd do very well there and get a, a, a year of experience under his belt. I just, for me personally, I don't think he's ready to be a starter in MLS just yet. He's a very young player. He's a teenager, teenage center backs. It's not the track record in MLS of teenage starting center backs isn't exactly a long one and, and well, a story. That, that's why New York has that USL Pro team now. Well, that that's exactly. So from that standpoint, um, you know, people freaking about the freaking out about the Miyazaki thing. It's not that serious. He's a talented young kid. Uh, Red Bulls ought to be happy that they have him. Uh, but any 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 thoughts that he's going anywhere just yet? I think it's a little premature. Ivis, you know any player between the ages of 16 to 20 that goes to Europe, the panic button lever has been lifted and everyone's hands on it, ready to pounce on it within seconds. Well, it has more to do with Red Bull and everything going yeah, on. Yeah, that too, yeah. Because it's feeling, it's feeling almost like a, you know, like a, like a closeout sale, like a going out of business sale when... You know, Henri, Olave, Alexander, and all, you know, so pe- you know, people are looking at, like, you're getting, you're getting rid of all of our guys. What's going on? Oh my god! And it's, it's not, it's, the, it's not the end of the world, people. It, it, it's, uh, you know, there's a reason to be concerned, but it, it, you can't let every situation then suddenly turn into a reason to like just panic. We should just become a New York uh, Rebel podcast. What do you think? Ah, uh, they already have some of those, buddy. They, they, uh, <laughs> seeing that, they, what is it? Seeing Red Podcast. They're 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 like the they're the official Red Bull podcast. They're well, not official, but they're the ones. They they do a great job. So. Yeah, they had my petkey on the other day. They did a good job with that. Yeah, so you know, so they're they they run that. They run they they run that beat. So we'll let them run that beat. We'll keep doing what we do. We'll cover everybody. All right, enough New York Red Bull talk, Ivis. You are reporting this first. It looks. Like Juan Agudelo is coming back to Major League Soccer. We've talked about how he needs a club, how he needs games. He's possibly going to the New England Revolution. How serious is this? Will it happen soon? Uh, it's very serious. Um, it, it's been it's been going on for a while. There's been conversations for quite a bit. Um, I first got wind of it around the time of the MLS Combine um, and and running it by some sources with New England, uh, I was able to get it confirmed. And uh, it, it's it's in the works. And right now, if you ask me to put my money on it, I'm putting my money on this deal getting done. Uh, Agudelo needs to go somewhere and play regularly. And, you know, obviously New England, they're a good team. They have other options. They have Charlie Davies. It's not a it's not a, a case of Agudelo is going to be able to just walk in and play every minute. Um, but he's obviously familiar with the setup there. They're a very good team. Um, and he's already put in a lot of time waiting for something to happen in Europe, and it hasn't happened for him. Could he stick it out and go to some smaller league now? Uh, that's possible. He could do that. But at this point, the hopes of uh, English Premier League happening or Bundesliga happening or one of the top leagues in Europe happening right now for him, it's not happening for him. Uh, and, and once you kind of accept that reality, you have to look at your options. And if you're Agadello, you're looking at the revolution. It's a team you know. 
it's a team that wants you and it's, it's a team you fit in with before. A lot of the same guys are still there. The coach is still there that, that you played so well for. So as much as it might be a hit to the, to, to his pride to come back, especially when, you know, he had so many aspirations about Europe. He, he, he talked so much about, oh, it was always his dream to be in Europe and play in Europe. Um, but you know what? And sometimes you have to make tough decisions in your career. Um, that, you know what, are, will ultimately be better for your career. He's still a young player. He's only, what, is he 22 years old? If he signs a deal now and he does really well now, if he can put himself back in the national team picture, we're talking, I mean, not to get too ahead of ourselves, but, you know, you have the 2018 World Cup and he starts doing well over the next two, three years for the New England Revolution, maybe he can push himself back in that European direction. Mm-hmm. But for right now, it's pretty much two options for him. Does he go the small league route again? And keep grinding out, trying to find his way in Europe, or does he come to MLS, take the deal that he can get here, and play for a team that he knows? And for me, I think the, I think the decision is a pretty easy one right now. I know for a fact I, I've already reported that he turned down the offer from eighteen sixty. So, at that, just based on that, it sure looks like he's ready to come back. Well, and not just return to a team that he knows, but return to a team that is in much better shape than when he left it. I mean, New England adding him to the roster, Ivis. I mean, you have to consider them a favorite for the MLS Cup next year. He has the opportunity to play, uh, you know, with, with Jermaine Jones now. I, for him, it, it, it just it looks like a great move for him. And also for the New England Revolution, I mean, huge move to be able to bring him back. Oh, they would love it. They would absolutely love it. I mean, we have to see if the deal gets done. Uh, I'm sure the negotiations, uh, I think they're still going on. And uh, I'm sure MLS, since they, they kind of, I mean, they have to be pretty aware uh, of, of his kind of bargaining position being weaker than it was when he first left. Because when he left, let's not forget, the Revolution did make him an offer. I think they offered, they might have offered him, uh, you know, kind of a lower level designated player uh, contract at the time. And I'm pretty sure, I mean, I don't know what he's getting offered now, but I, 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 I can't imagine he's getting offered the same, the same deal now. But if you're wanting Handelo, you got to make this deal. You got to come back to MLS now. Uh, it's an improving league, it's a better team. And like you said, there'll be an MLS Cup favorite, they'll be in the conversation with LA, with Seattle. Um, I mean, obviously they were a final slasher without them. So you add them to that team, you bring almost, you know, you bring a lot of the ma- most of the major pieces back. They're going to be right there. So I think I, I speak for most people when I say it, 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 it'll be great just to have them on the team. And I think this move would be good for him. Well, and he also, when he left to New England, you definitely saw that, that the void that he left on the field. I mean, Teal Bunbury did a good job filling for him, but I mean, New England be able to bring him back at what he did on the left side. Oh man, not. New England's going to be fun to watch next year uh, with him. Uh, Dominic Guduro-Ivis is on the move again, traded from Toronto FC to the Montreal Impact. For Montreal-Ivis, they, they bring in someone who we all know has his moments where he's going to score goals and moments where you're going to scratch your head. Not a proven goal scorer. They still need one. Um, I mean, good move for them, Ivis, but Montreal still has, has a few more pieces to add uh, before they head into the season. Oh, he's definitely not the answer at forward. I mean, I think they need to go get uh, a big market, a big ticket forward. Uh, Alberto Giardino at this point does not look like it's happening. Uh, well, he, he's he's gone on loan now to Fiorentina. So, which I find what I will find what I will say I find interesting is not to get off of the Arduro angle, uh, the the Arduro part of it. But when we talked about Alberto Giardino uh, possibly signing with Montreal, you had a lot of people like crapping on that possibility and saying, "Oh, he's an old player. He's washed up." Blah blah blah. Guess what? Giardino's going on loan to to, to, to Serie A. He's going back to Serie A. So, like, obviously, somebody thinks the guy can still play. So, you know what? I I would say he's going on loan. So maybe we'll see Giardino 
still come to Montreal in the summer. That's something to keep an eye out for. As far as Aduro goes, um, we're talking about a guy who every other year seems like he does really well. He, he does one, he, one year he does really great. The next year he's terrible. One year he does great. Next year he does terrible. If you go by the last four years, the last five years of his, of his track record, 2015, he's due to tear it up. So if you're Montreal, you kind of read the tea leaves. You're like, hey, maybe this is the year Oduro turns into that guy who, who's just such a handful and is consistent. Oduro's biggest problem has always been is inconsistency because when he's on, he, he is a, 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 a terror. When he is off, he is he, he makes you want to ram your head against the wall if you're a coach. So if you're Frank if you're Frank Klopas, I'm sure he's looking at it and say, "Hey, this is the year." Hopefully, knock on wood. And the Chicago Fire have acquired goalkeeper John Bush. Ivis, uh, this is his re- rejoining Chicago Fire. He was there previously before he joined San Jose Earthquakes. Um, make no question about it, though. Sean Johnson is still the number one keeper for the Chicago Fire. But to have a backup like Bush and also have him be able to teach Sean Johnson. Good move for Chicago Fire. I don't know about teaching Sean Johnson. I mean, Johnson at this point is 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 experienced enough. I think it's just you want to have yourselves a good backup, and and I think Bush is getting to a point in his career um, where he does help provide that and put a, a, a solid backup. I thought he had a pretty good year last year, considering the mess that San Jose had become. I thought he he actually did really well for himself. Uh, it is interesting in, in San Jose. I'm not quite sure what Dom Kinnear has planned for that. The starting goalkeeper job in in San Jose. I know David Bingham has has been a guy that they've been bringing bringing along for quite some time. Um, so we'll see we'll see what happens with that position. But you know if you're if you're uh, Chicago, you got to be pretty happy that you have a guy now who, if uh, number one, if, if anything happens to Sean Johnson, or if he goes away on national team duty, you have the Concacaf Gold Cup this summer. Uh, you, you've got a ton of friendlies. So if Sean Johnson continues to be part of the uh, U.S. national team setup, which he should be. Uh, then, then having a guy like Bush to plug in is, is going to be absolutely valuable. And Ivis, now it's time to talk about the U.S. men's national team. Before we preview the game on Wednesday, one thing we do need to talk about, U.S. soccer is currently seeking a FIFA exemption to clear Gedeon Zela Lim. U.S. soccer is optimistic that this will get done rather quickly, which is good news for the national team. Uh, absolutely. Uh, I know some people are worried that uh, the fact that you know he might not be eligible to play because he, he didn't live here long enough to meet the criteria for FIFA. Uh, Sunil Galadia told uh, our, our boy uh, Doug McIntyre at ESPN that uh, U.S. Soccer is working on it and they believe that it'll get resolved. Uh, basically, the, the kind of the, the the essence of the rule is, is in place to, to keep countries from from bringing players in from other countries specifically to kind of use them as their own national team players. Obviously, Zelalem lived in the U.S. a long time. Uh, he developed here. He, he lived here. He was he was found here uh, by by Arsenal scouts. So you know he put his he's lived he lived there quite a bit. So he's put his time in. So uh, you know hopefully that gets resolved. Obviously the U.S. fans want to see him and they're excited to to have him be a part of the whole setup. And we just saw the U twenty national team qualify for the World Cup, and I know people are really excited to see Zelen be a part of that team because I think that's going to be his first step into the entire U.S. conversation because, I mean, I know some people are freaking out and, like, want to put him on the senior team already, but one step at a time, uh, I think he will. I think he could be an important part of that U-20 World Cup team. Uh, so hopefully uh, Sunil Galati's right and this thing is a formality and they'll, they'll get the exemption they need. All right, Ivis. Well, on Wednesday, the U.S. men's national team will take on Chile. 
in the first match of 2015 for Jurgen Klinsmann and company. Uh, I have lots of talk coming out this week that Jurgen Klinsmann is going to do a 3-5-2. People are acting like the sky is falling. Look, soccer's fluid. Formation is more of just kind of a mindset. Things will change throughout the game. But, Ivis, when you look at the personnel Jurgen has brought into camp and, more specifically, to this roster, I mean, I mean this this three five two looks like, looks like it might fit with the personnel Jurgen has. Are people really freaking out about the three five two? I think they are, man. People are, it seem, I, seem I, to be. I haven't gotten that. I haven't gotten that vibe. I gotta say, but then again, I've been laid up sick for the last day, so maybe I missed the panic of of the three five two backlash. But uh, uh, I, I like you said when you look at the lineup that he brought in, uh, the roster that he's brought into camp, and the the talk coming out of the camp is that they are absolutely experimenting with it. And just to kind of clarify, I wrote a piece for Gold.com about it, uh, kind of detailing the the kind of the potential whys of this, the the why that we're going, the U.S. is going in this potential direction. Uh, it's not just a three five two thing. It's it's a change in philosophy to build around three center backs, and you can go either three five two or five three two, same personnel, but you can adjust based on game situations. Mm-hmm. It's not an opponent. Uh, obviously, if you're facing a really good team, a really uh, a potent attacking team, you can play a little bit more defensive. You can you can drop your wing backs deeper and have it function more like a five three two, which we we have seen teams do. Obviously, Costa Rica uh, had a, had a, quite a bit of success at the World Cup playing that way, and against potentially weaker opponents or opponents you feel like you can have more exce- more success attacking against, you can push those wing backs up and make it more of a three five two. Uh, it's just it gives you flexibility, yep. and as I said, and as I said in my piece for for Goal dot com, uh, you have to look at the personnel in the pool right now, and when you look at it from that standpoint, you can see how Klinsman might be wanting to go in this direction because you have players who could fit into those wing back roles. You have fast guys who who, who maybe aren't as aren't as strong defensively to play as, as full backs in a four four two, but who have the qualities where they could be good two way players mm-hmm. two way wing backs in a 3-5-2 and you have center back options as well that could work well in that three-man center back system with Jermaine Jones as your kind of captain of the middle there you have guys like Matt Beasley who can play on the left John Brooks who can play on the left uh on the right you could you have someone like Jeff Cameron who could be perfectly suited to play as a right center back in a 3-5-2 I mean let's face it I mean some people will say he practically plays as a right as as an extra center back in Stokes defense when he plays the right back so uh, it, it, it does shake things up a bit, and I, it, it's it's so different from anything we've seen with the U.S. for a long time. Um, but I like the idea. I really like the idea. I think it's it's kind of the direction the game's going in now. You're seeing more and more countries do it. Look at CONCACAF, Costa Rica and Mexico. The other two powers in the, in, in the region have already both gone in that direction. So uh, you're seeing it more and more, and I think it's, it's interesting that they are playing Chile, uh, a team that has, for two World Cup cycles now, uh, deployed a three-man defense first under Bielsa, now under their new man, their their current manager, who who and and they look really good with it under both managers. And and we saw Chile in this last World Cup look really good playing that system. Obviously, they have a ton of star players uh, who help the system go. Mm-hmm. But I think what gets lost a little bit is that this system, um, even if you don't have the talent to match up against an opponent just talent for talent, you can as a unit. Uh, beat better teams. I mean, look at Costa Rica. The way, I mean, Costa Rica really mastered that system. And, and Jorge Luis Pinto, I give him all the credit in the world, he really turned Costa Rica into a giant killer. So uh, I, I like the idea. And if that's what they're going with, Wednesday's going to be that first chance to see it, see how it works. Is, is it, Are there going to be growing pains? Are there going to be struggles? Absolutely, because most of these American players 
the ones the, the players on the team who had who came came up in the American system, not a lot of them have experience that much experience playing in a three five two or five three two. So there will be some growing pains, but that's what friendlies are for. That's what this year is for, and now it makes sense why they, they've jammed the, the the first half of the season with, uh, of the year with tons of friendlies. So mm-hmm. now it's all kind of starting to make sense now. If that's the grand picture, the grand plan that Klinsman has for this year to have the team make this transition. Well, it, it, and and I guess when when I see people acting, this guy's falling. I've, the pe- people are mostly pointing out the fact that Jurgen's constantly experimenting with the roster, constantly experimenting with formations, playing guys out of positions. Everyone's complaining about Jermaine Jones. Okay, Jermaine Jones, since he moved to center back, has probably turned in two of his. He's probably, he look, he was solid for the U.S. at center back in the two times that he's played for, under Jurgen Klinsmann. And I kind of find it funny when people see these things. I mean. I guess the World Cup is still so many years away. I understand that the Gold Cup is coming up, but the U.S. at the end of the day is always still going to be a disciplined team. Formations change throughout matches, and I, I don't know. I did some of the backlash I see against Jurgen Klinsmann when he's trying to do things for the U.S. I, I just kind of scratch my head when I see some people complaining about his, his you know, his constant changes and, and 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 this and that. It just seems it just seems it seems out of question from some people. Did, did people like forget what happened after the World Cup? Did people like forget how the games went? Um, the, the fact is, this team is a work in progress, and he's and he's trying to find the system and the uh, the system that suits the personnel he has. Mm-hmm. He's still trying to find the players, the the best players that he has to choose from. So it's all it's all a work in progress. I mean, are people? I mean, I don't know. I I feel like you're 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 tapped into this whole rage element more than I am because I, I I haven't gotten that sense but if there is that sense it's like well is there this magical team and system and formation that he's just completely oblivious to yes it's, it, that, it, it, it's in fifa 15 ibis well no but what is this system what is that system that he's completely missing that would have the u.s be a powerhouse like i think that's that's absurd like he's tried different things and for, for various reasons they haven't worked and i think it, it's not as if he's I think the fact that he tries things is not – why is that a bad thing? Like you, yeah. you just ram your head against the wall with something that just isn't working or something that just keeps you at a certain po- a level that you can't grow from. Like I'm sorry. I, I don't – I'm not going to – I don't want to get too caught up in this kind of – you know, whatever this backlash you're talking about because I haven't sensed that. Uh, but if people are going to complain about the, 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 the constant changing, it's like he's trying to find the system. He's trying to find the the, 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 the setup that – works best with the personnel that he has the personnel is changing as well the personnel is evolving as well i mean just as an example right us has been playing for uh, you know they play variations of 442 some 433 now when you look at the fullback situation you have fabian johnson who can't get a minute playing fullback for his club team he's playing being played as a midfield as a midfielder you have deandre yellen uh, who i think we all agree is is a dangerous attacking player getting uh, getting forward from the right back position, but he's a liability defensively. Mm-hmm. He's he's he has looked more effective as a midfielder. So these are guys who could be very effective in a three five two slash five three two setup. So why not give it a try? This is a perfect time to do this. This is the per- this year twenty fifteen with the games that you can schedule, the games that they have scheduled. Perfect opportunity to do this. And the Jermaine Jones thing, like get over it, folks. 2018 is a long time from now. Right now, you got the Gold Cup this year. You got Copa America next year. You got World Cup qualifying starts in November. That's, I mean, it's crazy to think about World Cup qualifying. It does. That is crazy. Jermaine Jones is still one of the absolute best players in the U.S. pool. Get over the age thing. He is still one of the best players. And guess what? 
he just might be a better fit for this team as a center back because he can be a leader back there. He can play that position very easily. And, and just because he hasn't played it his whole life, that does not exclude him. That's such a narrow-minded way to look at it. And I, and, and I still remember when he played that first game, people were already freaking out like, oh, why isn't Matt Hedges called in? Matt Hedges is an actual <laughs> center back. You know what? Let me tell you something. I like Matt Hedges. I've been talking him up for ages. I've, I've wanted him on national team for ages. But guess what? If I had a game tomorrow that my life depended on, I would start Jermaine Jones at center back. And anyone who honestly wouldn't start Jermaine at center back over Matt Hedges is either an FC Dallas fan or a crazy. Because Jermaine Jones <laughs> has been there. Jermaine Jones is a player. He's a, he's a Champions League player. Yeah. He's played at a high level. He can still play at a high level. So how is any like, seriously, why are people having a problem with Klinsman wanting to build his defense and potentially his entire system around Jermaine Jones in that in that slot? Like, why is that a problem? That, like, that's, for me, that's ridiculous. I, 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 like I yeah, said, I'm man, it's, it's, it's bizarre. I'm, I'm, I'm mad at people that I don't even know if they really exist, but I'm going to take your word for it. I mean, look, I, like, I'm not saying you made it up. I'm sure there are people. There are some people. We're going to have a problem with whatever Klinsman does, right? I get that. And then there's some people who mm. get hung up on the age thing and on positional changes. Perry Kitchen, why is Perry Kitchen playing yeah. in national team camp when he's not He's not really a center back? But guess what, folks? Perry Kitchen has played center back go, uh, coming up through his entire career before he got to D.C. United. He played right back his first season at D.C. United. The guy is versatile. The, the, the idea that he can't play as a center back on an international level, like he, like let's just look at it this way. Um, and I've heard, and I've heard this from people who know Perry Kitchen very well. He's done really well on MLS. He, he's really grown as a player. But guess what? From a technical standpoint, Perry Kitchen is not going to be able to hang with the very best players in the world as a central midfielder. He is not technically gifted enough to be a central midfielder on the highest level of the international level. But guess what? He has evolved enough, and he has improved enough. That he has a skill set that just might work as a central defender in a 3-5-2. And that's what Klinsman sees. That I mean, Caleb Porter saw it. Caleb Porter put him in U23. I know, look, they didn't qualify. U23 didn't qualify. <laughs> but Perry Kitchen has played central defense before. It's not completely out of the blue. So anyone acting like that's a new thing, it's not. So, uh, I don't know. You know. Listen, I'll tell you what. The day that he plays Josie Altidore at center back, Fine, I will absolutely, I will, I will, I will join people in that revolt and say, "What the hell are you doing?" If he plays Clint Dempsey at left back, then I'm gonna be like, "What?" That now you're just losing your mind. But so, so far, some of these moves, like the Jermaine Jones, the center back, I mean, throughout the history of the year, uh, uh, the, the history of the game, we have seen defensive midfielders make that transition to center back. It's not a new thing. Same thing with Perry Kitchen. He Perry Kitchen, he Will Trap is better than Perry Kitchen as a midfielder. Will Trap is the future of the central midfield for the U.S. Emerson Hyndman is coming up. These guys are on an entirely different skill level than a Perry Kitchen. But guess what? Perry Kitchen is talented. You want to give him an opportunity, he could help you fill a role as a center back. All right, Iris. Do you mean, do you mean to help you get down from your soapbox? <laughs> yeah, I don't know, man. <laughs> get me worked up, man. I, I'm feeling good. It's, I, think you're, you know, I know. It's like you're sick, and then you're like, I don't see any of this backlash. That's pretty pretty good rant. I'm hopped up on cough drops. Yeah. It's the Hall's cough drop that I'm having. Um, well, I, as we talked about how this 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 formation will suit cer- certain players, Ivis. When, when you look at the starting eleven that Jurgen Klinsmann may, may name, yes, I, it is going to be a young and inexperienced Chilean side. They're not going to have their world beaters, 
Um, but still, you're on the road in South America. When you look at the goalkeeper position, it makes obvious sense to stick in Nick Romando, the veteran who's, who's been there, done it before numerous times for Jurgen. I think that's a safe bet, although it wouldn't shock me if you went with Johnson, but I, I agree with you. I think, uh, especially when you're experimenting with a new system, a new setup, you want to, you want to kind of, an, you want that experience, that veteran presence in the back. So I think we'll see Romando in goal. And then when you move up to the three defenders, I mean, without question, Jermaine Jones and Matt Beasler. The other question, though, Ivis, is who is going to be that third player back there? One of these guys who will start is going to get their first cap for the U.S. men's national team. I mean, what does Jurgen do here for that third spot? Well, he's got quite a few options, right? I mean, yeah. I think um, for me, I don't think Hedges will be that guy. Um, but you, you do have someone like like Perry Kitchen. We talked about Perry Kitchen. Kitchen was originally a part of this group. Uh, Matt Hedges, what, let's, nothing, again, nothing against Hedges, but let's not forget now, Hedges was not originally part of the group. He, he was in the, he was added later on. So from the, the pecking order coming into camp, he was already behind a kitchen, a burn bomb, even a Shane O'Neill. So I think for me, if I, if I had to kind of flip a coin on it, I'd probably go Perry kitchen, uh, or burn bomb. I know some people that think Shane O'Neill, Shane O'Neill could be an option as well, but I just think, uh, I think kitchen, I'm going to go with kitchen right now. I mean, but it could be any of those three guys that could start as that, right center back in the three if that's what you're going to go with in the three five two so yeah i think Beasler on the left jermaine jones essentially and 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 it's really a coin toss between kitchen burnbaum and, and o'neill uh i'll go kitchen at the right center back uh, and then you move up to the uh to the wing back the wing back excuse me on the on the right and left hand side i i think we can both agree that deandre yedlin was made for this role he's looked outstanding for jurgen when jurgen's brought him on and had him play up top for the u.s men's national team he just seems born for that on the other side I mean, Breck Shea, could we see Breck Shea getting a start here on Wednesday? I think so. I mean, I think he's the best fit if that's what you're going to play. If you're going to play that system, then he's your guy. I mean, he can get up and down. Um, you know, he, he uh, defensively, he can help you. He can help put – and again, this system, you want your wing backs not only to get forward in the attack, but also to provide uh, defensive pressure, not only in the midfield, but also in the uh, in the back, tracking back to help your center backs. So – Breck Shea can do that. Breck Shea can do that. If you're asking Breck Shea to one-on-one face up, defend somebody, he he could be in some trouble. But if you're asking him to run around and pressure in different spots and also get into the attack, he can do that. So I think Breck, I, I agree. Breck Shea on the left, DeAndre Yellen on the right as the wing back. I just want to point out, I'm excited to watch both these guys play. There's when they when they are at their best, I was coming out of the back. They are so dangerous. It's gonna be it's gonna be fun watching them go down the flanks the whole entire time. Well, again, it's it's the, it's the first time out with this system. I'm being optimistic. Don't, don't ruin don't, it for me. I don't think anyone expecting it to to be uh, this masterpiece on the first show. I don't I don't think that's gonna be the case at all. I mean, I think they're gonna have some struggles, but again, it's not about winning this game. It's about setting setting the tone and planting the seeds and establishing. You have to start somewhere. Every journey. Mm-hmm. begins with one step and this is that first step if in fact Klinsman has made this decision and I I, I believe it, it makes sense for me for me it makes sense that this is what he's pl- planning to do for this team going forward especially this year with the personnel when you're looking at the teams they're playing they're playing Chile it's not a for me it's not a surprise they're playing Mexico in April another three another team that 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 has played that kind of system so it, it's it it all is kind of coming into play um, so this is the first step. So it's not; it, it might not be pretty, but it, again, you're not looking for the result. You're looking for 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 signs of uh, of this being a fit. And and I think in the back, it's going to be a, that's going to be real interesting to see how that system works when you're talking about guys who are not necessarily familiar playing in that system. 
Well, the most important part to this to this new formation that Jurgen is going to do is going to be the personnel that he has in the midfield who are going to have to stay connected and communicate throughout the entire match. I, I think it goes without question, Ivis, that you'll probably will see Michael Bradley and Mix Discrude out there. You need one more player out there for that midfield. You have some options here with Lee Wynn. Will Trap maybe getting his first cap? Uh, I mean, what 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 could we see Jurgen do with this midfield here with these three guys? I mean, I think you're going to go Lee, Lee Wynn. Uh, I think he, he's a guy who has played at a really high level. And look, I really like Will Trap. I think he has a bright future. Um, but just looking at the trio that you could have work together, uh, I think Wynn is a good fit playing ahead of uh, Bradley and, and Discarood. I think that's a nice little trio, little combo right there. That 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 triangle works really well. I know. I know. There's obviously the option of Will Trap. Just I don't know. I mean, I think it's it, it's asking a lot to throw him in into his first cap on the road in a start. And look, obviously it's a little different than starting Rubio Rubin as a forward than throwing someone in the, in the, in the engine room as a starter in their first start. So could we see trap? We could, but I think, I think we're more inclined to see Lee win. Um, uh, I think, I mean, if anything, if, if you want to talk about trap discrude, like if there's something wrong with it, discrude's not, not a hundred percent. If there's anything like that, I think that's more mm-hmm. likely, but I think we'll see Lee win. I think, he, he's he's coming off such a, a great year. He showed so well against Colombia in his in his you know first game uh, for Klinsman. He looked really good in his in his uh, time off the bench again uh, out in England. So I think for me, I I want to see Lee win, and I want to see that Lee win, Discarude Bradley trio work together. Will Trap's time is going to come, but uh, I think me it might be a little early to throw him in as a starter in this game. And then going up top, you have Josie Altidore, who's partnered with a forward, most likely going to be Clint Dempsey. Right. I mean, if they're if they're both fit, I think you start them both. Um, I, you know, when you look at the other guys, um, yeah, look, everyone wants to see Jesse's artists. Uh, and then and, and we've seen Klinsman like Wondolowski. But, I mean, yeah, you want to see Altidore and Dempsey play together. Obviously, we didn't get to see them do their thing uh, at the World Cup for much for much time. Obviously, Josie got hurt in the first game. But, yeah, you want to see how those guys work, and you want to see how those two play in front of a guy like Lee Wynn. I mean, that, for me, I mean, you want to see Lee – I want to see Lee Wynn in the what it will pretty much almost be a full-strength squad, see if he can work his magic, see if he can be that guy, that playmaker, that true playmaker. So, for me, I'm, if you want to ask me what I'm excited about, I'm excited to see if Lee Wynn can make it happen on the international level as a starter. And on the other side of the ball, we have a young Chilean side of players made up entirely of the country's domestic league. Uh, what should we expect out of this roster? Well, it's a it's a roster that is light on caps, <clears throat> absolutely. Uh, Jorge Sampaioli is, is looking at some uh, some players from the domestic league. There are some talents, some, some veterans there. Mark Gonzalez, obviously, folks who remember him uh, formerly of Liverpool. So, I mean, there's some there's some players there. That, that gives some quality. I mean, there's no Arturo Vidal's or Alexis Sanchez's or any, Eduardo Vargas's. They don't have to worry about that. U.S. fans don't have to worry about those types. Uh, but I think you will see a disciplined team. I mean, their managers, their, their coach is a very good coach. I'm sure he'll have them uh, very organized. And uh, they're going to come out in a system that they're familiar with, even though it's, you know, a lot of new faces in that national team setup. I, I think they're going to be a lot more familiar with that system than the U.S. will be. So from that standpoint, they'll have that advantage if you're talking about two teams playing the same system. Uh, so it's a good test. It's a good test. Uh, I think Klinsman was pretty smart in picking this particular matchup because you do get the benefit of a, of a road game. 
but you're not playing a full-blown uh, team like Chile's first team with all their top guys because that would be a lot to ask for uh, to beat a, a full-strength Chile side would be a would be a serious handful, especially a U.S. team that's experimenting, a U.S. team that's trying to incorporate a new system. If that's in fact what's happening, it, it, it'd be a little it'd be a bit suicidal to try to trot out a new system against a full strength powerhouse, right? So I think it's smart of Klinsman. <clears throat> he gets the, the benefit of facing a team playing that system, but it won't be as strong a team. So you know the U.S. should have an opportunity to stand toe to toe with this team. It's not going to be a give me. Because obviously these Chilean players are going to want to try to prove to the, their manager that they deserve their chance as well to be on the full squad. So it, it's going to be a good test. <clears throat> but like you, I'm excited to see how the, how the the attack and the defense, how the balance mm-hmm. is, how how if there's a good flow between the front and the back. Because I think at times with the U.S. that's always that's been an issue for a long time, <clears throat> the lack of a connection, the lack of a good flow between the defense and the attack. And I think Klinsman, one of the things he's been trying to instill in this team, in the U.S. team, is a bit more accountability in the back uh, when it comes to possessing the ball and passing the ball out of the back. And it's something he's wanted for a long time. And I think now when you, if, if you're going to go to this new setup and then you're going to have a guy like Jermaine Jones to kind of be your marshal in the, in the middle, in the back there, I think you have a potential for a team that can play keeping the ball better than we've seen the U.S. keep the ball in the mm-hmm. past. So so we'll see. I'm excited to see it because, you know what, I know some, it sounds like there's some people who are freaking out or, or not happy with all the experimentation, but I, for one, just don't think we've seen the U.S. find what works yet. And I like. I think this could end up being something that works well with the players that he has. Yeah, it creates a lot more passing chances for a lot of players. You know, as long as the midfield – holds its ground, communicates with the uh, back line. I mean, I think we could see a positive result for the U.S. men's national team, which leads us, Ivis, into prediction time. What do you think is going to happen? It's so tough to say. I mean, I, you know what? I'll, I'll go <clears throat> I'll go 2-2. Two, two. I'll go, uh, I mean, it's probably, you know what, 1-1. One, one. Yeah, forget I, it. I'll I, go one, I'm gonna, yeah, I'd go 1-1, one, one, too. I'll go 1-1. One, one. Yeah, it's probably a, a lot to ask for two road goals uh, against a Chile team that's going to be pretty disciplined. But I think the U.S. will create some chances. I think they will get exposed uh, defensively just because there is that lack of familiarity, especially on the flanks. As you, if you, have, as you have guys like Shea and Yedlin, if they start, they're going to, you know, be uh, – they haven't had to have that responsibility of covering an entire wing like they're going to have. And it's a lot of work. That is a lot of work, man. You, you're talking about putting some serious miles on your legs when you're playing that wing back role. So we'll see, we'll see how they handle that. Um, but, but when you, you know, if we can see that Bradley Discarude win triangle with Dempsey and, and Altidore in front of them, I mean, I'll tell you what, I think they will create chances. Absolutely. So, you know what, maybe it will be, you know what I will, I'm going to go two two. Just because I think I think they're going to score goals and I think they're going to give up goals. I see. I'll go one-one and uh, I'll say Breck Shea gets the goal. Yeah, <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. I'll go Clint Dempsey and uh, I have to say Lee Wynn. You know, I, I'm kind of tempted to have Jesse's artist come off the bench and score, but I think Lee Wynn. I can see a Lee Wynn free kick and I can see Dempsey doing what he does, uh, being at the right place at the right time. Two-two. I'm not going to say who gives up the goals, but uh, I think we'll. <laughs> There could be a Breck Shea defensive breakdown at some point. So I'll say 2-2. I think overall it'll, it should be a positive result. But Chile, look, this Chile team is going to give them a good test. 
Do not get it twisted. This is not going to be a cakewalk by any means. Zardis, I mean, he can't make his uh, his first appearance down in South America. It's too perfect for him to uh, to make the first appearance at the StubHub Center. Come on, man. We all know Jurgen Klinsmann is not a sentimental guy. He does not get into all that. <sighs> he, that needs, he needs to watch more American sports movies. Then he's only worried. Look, he all he's worried about is is all I care about <laughs> is making progress. Benchmarks, benchmarks. <laughs> That's all he cares about. Uh, okay, that, that was a pretty good, pretty good impression. That wasn't that wasn't too bad. I'm a little sick. I'm a little sick. I can't get the. I got you know what I have to. You know what? It, it's actually been. It, it's crazy because this is the first game since the the infamous game in Ireland, and uh, that's the last time when I I talked to him too. So like uh, talked to Klinsman. So I mean I haven't been and I wasn't at the camp in California this month. So I haven't been around. I I gotta I gotta see him pretty soon. I, you know what? I'm gonna have to book a trip to LA for that Panama game just so I can. Catch up and, and and get some more Jurgen uh, accent. Get the get get his voice so I can get the accent and get the impression down, Pat. Uh, all right. Well, yeah, you, know, you do need to. That was good. I thought it was good. It was okay. <laughs> I'll work on it. Um, all right. Well, enough U.S. Enough U.S. Men's talk. Time to move over to the U.S. Women. Uh, on the previous show, I was, we, we we talked about it, and that was the thirty day suspension U.S. Soccer gave Hope Solo. I mean it. it shouldn't be too obvious to say that she's on her last straw and that seemed apparent as uh look there's it's not official ivis there may be a chance he may miss the world cup this summer well i mean it's a possibility and uh even though they didn't say it in so many words uh both sunil galati u.s soccer president and jill ellis uh, the head coach of the women's team uh they pretty much put it out there that you know she she's on it now she's on her last Kind of her last chance, and and she they they're they're putting some kind of demands on her. They're putting some uh, stipulations on her behavior, and she needs to get her act together. And if she has another transgression, she makes another mistake. If she does something else stupid, uh, she could miss the World Cup. And uh, you know, Galati pretty much said, you know, he was asked if that if there is that possibility, and he said sure. He said it. it so there is the possibility, and it sh- and abs- there should be a possibility. Because you can't just keep doing dumb things and and not expect any repercussions. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. You know, hopefully for her sake and the team's sake, she gets her act together. Because I'll tell you what, this U.S. women's team, as good as it is, is not win. For me, I don't think they're winning a World Cup without her. Uh, they need her in goal. She's one of the best, if not the best goalkeeper in the world. And, and when she's in goal, it increases their chances of winning the whole thing. Uh, without her, it's going to be that much tougher, especially because there just aren't ex- that many experienced options. Uh, SBI's Caitlin Murray, uh, uh, our great women's soccer writer, uh, she, she she touched on that and touched on the inexperience uh, of the players that are backing up Hope Solo. And like I said in the last show, I think, you know what, if, if you keep Solo out of the mix from now until May, until the pre-World Cup camp, you give those other players that many more opportunities uh, to get games under their belt, you know. Hope Solo doesn't need any more games under her belt. She needs to get her act together mentally and, and behave herself. That's what she needs. She has she's had enough games, right? So, so we'll see what happens. We'll see. I, I'm curious to see though, because you know what? If she does, you know, heaven forbid, but if she does have another setback, let's see, then we're we're gonna see just how serious U.S. soccer is about this. Uh, there was some good news though on the U.S. women's national team front. Alex Morgan, Ivis, who suffered an injury in October, dealing with a few injuries actually over the past couple of years to her ankle, 
Uh, it looks like she's actually going to be coming back, and it looks like she's slated slated excuse me to play against France on February eighth, and then England on February thirteenth. The U.S. has a lot of depth up top of the forward position, but having a healthy Alex Morgan back that is huge for the U.S. women's national team. She's their best player, and uh, you know they're really going to, as much as they need solo to the one World Cup, they need more Alex Morgan at her best. Uh, to really get the most out of that team, and yes, they do have other forward options, but none of them are on that. None of them are Alex Morgan. So the fact that she's healthy now, obviously, she still needs to work on her finishing and get and, and get her full sharpness back. She's been out of action for three months now, but they don't need her to be a, a fully, completely sharp right now. They need her sharp uh, in Canada in the summer, and she's got time. So, so we'll see. Uh, you know, it'll be good to ha- for the U.S. women. They'll be happy to have her back and uh, get closer to having that full strength team. And over in European soccer, Chelsea defeat two. And over in European soccer, Chelsea beat Liverpool one to zero. They are now in the League Cup final. Chelsea's uh, big season continues for them. They may face Ivis. Get this: Sheffield United, who is in the third division in England, who actually has already defeated Tottenham three to one in the first leg. So I'm rooting for Sheffield United on Wednesday, and I'm going to root for them to beat Chelsea in the League Cup final. Uh, we're getting a little ahead of ourselves. We should stick to talking about the game that just happened, uh, Chelsea. Uh, even though it's it's only quote unquote only the League Cup, uh, it was it was obviously a a pretty hotly contested series. Uh, Liverpool, I thought, played really well in the series, uh, but they couldn't quite uh, get past uh, Thibaut Courtois. The the Chelsea goalkeeper was outstanding in both legs, um, and it took it took extra time. It took uh, Ivanovic scoring an extra time to put Chelsea through. Uh, and you know, as as good as the game and the series was, and as as tightly contested as it was, it wasn't as good as the post game chatter and banter uh, coming from the managers. Uh, there was a lot of talk about Diego Costa and his antics. Uh, he was caught uh, stepping on uh, uh, players from Liverpool on two separate occasions. Didn't get sent off. There's a lot of talk now. People are upset. Think he should get thrown out. Think he should get retroactively suspended now. Uh, obviously, Jose Mourinho wasn't happy about that at all. He went off on the on the TV commentators who said that. He kind of took a jab at Brendan Rodgers because Brendan Rodgers made comments about Costa as well. Uh, but I got to tell you, man, you do not want to get into a war words with, jo- with Jose Mourinho, man. He is – I just tweeted it, actually. He is a black belt at mental warfare um, just to give – I mean, it, just reading some of his comments to Brendan Rodgers, uh, <laughs> he, he – it, it's classic Mourinho because uh, you know Rogers uh, praised Courtois after the match, <clears throat> so Mourinho's all, uh, you know, we're different kind of managers because you know he praises Courtois, but his own goalkeeper had a good game and he didn't praise him. I, th- I think that's a little strange. So he's already just trying to blow up Rogers' spot with his own player and his own team, and it's just like poor Brendan Rogers. You know, it's like what, what did he do? But um, but no, nah, look, Chelsea. They're a top team. They're gonna they're gonna end up this, they're gonna end the season with with several trophies. And uh, I think most people will be rooting for whoever wins that Tottenham Chelsea uh, Tottenham Sheffield series. It'll you know it's not over yet. Tottenham could turn it around, but uh, it's hard to bet against Chelsea, man. They're they're so stacked. And in Spain, in the uh, quarterfinals of the Copa del Rey, the second leg, Atletico Madrid will be hosting Barcelona. Barcelona defeated Atletico one to zero in the first leg, but at home, Ivis. Do you give Atletico the advantage here? They have a very good chance of getting through. I mean, it's not easy uh, to win at the Vicente Calderon. They're going to be at home. The crowd there is amazing. Uh, Atletico, they're, they're, from there, you know, 
for me, and I, I'm not afraid to say it, Diego Simeone is like my favorite manager just because what he's able to do consistently, uh, putting his putting a, a strong winning team out there when, when they don't spend nearly as much as some of the other powerhouse teams spend. When you want to talk about Real Madrid, Barcelona, Chelsea, and he he's on that level with Atletico. Uh, you know, first leg, uh, Barcelona, they for them to only put up the one goal. It's a very tenuous, uh, tenuous lead for them, but it's going to be a great matchup. Atletico will be a bit more offensive-minded in the second leg at home. Obviously, they they play they you know they're very strong defensively, so they 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 did a good job against Barcelona's attacking trio. Uh, but this one is a it's a coin toss. It's in the, Barcelona has the lead, but they they are going to be hard pressed to keep Atletico off the scoreboard in uh, on the road there. And that second leg match is on Wednesday. And with that, Ivis, we have reached the end of the show. But I, I, I think we do have some time for uh, some Q and A to go back and forth between each other. What do you think? I think we do. I think you know, it's uh, if you're listening to this show and it's Wednesday morning, uh, Wednesday afternoon. I'm sure you're trying to fill that time between now and the game, uh, the USA Chile game. It's a five, I think five o'clock Eastern kickoff. So. Uh, we'll, we'll try to get you through the end of your day. We'll try. I know, I know people are dragging. It's 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 Wednesday. Uh, you know, hump day, hump day. Guess what day it is? So oh there we God. go. We'll, we'll, we'll keep we'll keep it going a little bit, just a little bit longer. I can't believe you just referenced that Geico ad. Yes, I referenced the camels. Guess what day it is? I'm sure we might have to pay a fine now because we did that. I don't know. Royalty. What are you talking about? It's free promotion. We just gave them right there. I'm sure they'll be happy with it. it they should, oh, yeah, actually, they, they, they market, dude, they market anywhere and everywhere. So I'm sure the price of, hey, we're on the SPI show now. We should actually charge them is what we should do. We should. We should work out a deal. Yeah. All right. We need we need sponsors, that's for sure. Yes. Um. All right, Nevis, do, do you want to serve up the first question? Oh, man, I'm struggling, man. You, you get, come on, I'm sick, so you, you, know, you, you go first. You go first. Okay, I'll, I'll go first. Um, who is your biggest hero? Uh, I don't know. I don't have a. I don't have a anyone that I could say is a hero to me. Um, okay. Well, okay. What about like you know your ten year old kid? So I guess maybe someone you looked up to. You're like, oh my god, if I could be that person. Oh man, that's a, that's an interesting one. Ten years old. What would I? Where would I? Fourth grade, fifth grade. Man, I don't, I don't know, man. Uh, no one, no one. Honestly, no one comes to mind, man. When I was that, when I was well, John. I was a big John Riggins fan. That was like my favorite player when I was like seven, eight years old. My first, the first athlete that I was a fan of was probably John Riggins, the the old Washington Redskins running back, and that was a long time ago. But um, uh, no, other than that, I don't know. That's a good. That's a good one. My mom. My mom's my hero, man. She's uh, you know, she's uh, she's she's everything. So there you go. She's my hero. There you go. There you go. Good. Good. Can't go wrong with that answer. Yes, John Riggins and my mom. <laughs> <laughs> it just <laughs> yeah. I uh, see only you. Only you go there. See, come on. <laughs> All right. Well, you got to answer the question. I see you. You have to answer your own question. Oh, uh, mine was for sure Jake Plummer, Arizona Cardinals quarterback, also Arizona State quarterback. That's a good. Uh, I got that one. You probably still have his poster on your wall. I'm sure. Um, I think we have his autograph and like a plaque still. I'm actually probably my parents' uh, house somewhere. Somewhere in my parents' house, probably one of our old rooms. All right, it's my turn. I got to think of a question now. I got one. All right, here, here's one. Here's one for you. I was thinking about this the other day. God, because uh, they were no. Well, no. What it is is so there was really, really big fire, uh, not too far from where I live. Uh, and this like entire apartment complex went up in flames. It was crazy. <laughs> Uh, and you know, it's obviously it's, it's 
terrible situation. But you know, when you think about it, it's like if you're there were no, no nobody died, which is great, thank God, right? No, 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 nobody died. Everybody got out. Now the reason I thought of this, I was like, you know what? If you're in that situation where you, you know, your 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 home is gonna go go up in flames, and you can save something, and there's something you can just make sure you have to grab and take with you, what would be the one thing that you would have to grab and take with you that you would want to make sure you save? Uh, is my girlfriend already out of the house? It's a she's a she's not, she's not a thing. <laughs> Garrett, she's not a thing. I mean, maybe you think she's a thing, but not people. I'm just trying. I'm just trying to provide with the right answer in case she's listening to the show. So, oh, now you care about what your girlfriend thinks about the show? <laughs> a little late for that, Garrett. I, if she listened to the show, you would have broken up by now. Let's just put it that way. Um, if if okay, if I was to say one thing, um, you know, I have a really awesome coin collection that I put together, and some coins are from my grandpa, who uh, who uh worked who was a CIA who worked in the CIA for years so I have coins from all over the world from tons of countries where the you know the the government that existed at the time doesn't exist anymore I, I got some really cool coins and my grandpa passed away so it's kind of like a meaningful thing to me nice that's a good one yeah uh, what about you yeah for me you know I I'd probably have to go so first thing I would try to do I would try to I I I'd have to put on at least one pair of my Jordans so I could save a pair of my Jordans. Cool, of course you I'm not, would. <laughs> I'm not carrying my sneakers with me. Um, I would have to get. I have to have to make sure I I get my laptop because I mean for multiple reasons. Obviously, not just because that, that's my empire is run on my you know the SBI empire is run on the laptop, but you know obviously all my family photos and everything are on there. Um, I have them backed up. Some you know I have them backed up on a on a, an external hard drive, but I would want to make sure. I saved all our pictures because we have them all. Uh, I haven't put them all on Facebook. I know. I know a lot of people do that. A lot of people, uh, you know, they put every picture they ever take on Facebook. And uh, we have. I, I wish I had the time, and I would. You know, I need to take a week vacation just to do that because, or just to put more pictures on Facebook because I feel like I'm way behind everyone else who does that because all you see is people loading up their Facebook with photo albums. It's crazy. Yeah, no, it's pretty insane. But, By but the then way, you got you... Dropbox and all that stuff. Yeah, it's all over. What are you gonna say? Uh, no, I was gonna say. So, how did, did you? Did you? Were you aware of the social media meltdown the other day? Did you get caught up in that? Um, I think it was already taken care of. <laughs> it was. By it time was I woke like, up. It was like forty minutes of no, uh, of no Facebook, Instagram, a couple of other uh, other things, and uh, people were freaking out for like a good half hour, forty minutes. It was, it was hilarious, and part of it was obviously because you know people in the, people on the north in the northeast who were already bracing for this storm. They had nowhere to go. Like, imagine if you're living in New York City, you can't go out in the street. You can't. You can't. You have to. You're like stuck at home. And if you're one of these people who's just life revolves around Facebook, I mean, they were probably in full panic mode. It was hilarious. And sometimes it's good to detach from from social media. I agree. It's probably, it probably good for some of those people too. No, I know, I know. Yeah, it's funny. Yeah, face the whole Facebook. I, Facebook, I can take it or leave it. I mean, I I'm hardly on it. Um, like it's funny the other day was like the first time i'd even posted anything on there in like weeks uh i don't know how people do it there's people who they they literally live on facebook it's unbelievable well i just <laughs> this is <a> tangent <laughs> I, I just feel like some people just live to post stuff on facebook though do you know what this i'm is, saying this is true like the, you just look at their life and you're like your life is not that great take it easy well see you're, <laughs> you're so judgy man you're so, <laughs> no why am i so negative 
You're you're a bad dude, man. You're an evil. You're an evil <laughs> <laughs> no, just kidding. Um, all right, your turn, man. I think. Okay. Okay. When, okay. For some reason, I have like little questions about you growing up. I don't know why, but when when in your room, what posters did you have on the wall? You mean when I was a kid? Yeah, when you're a kid, you know, in high school, you know, posters. You know, when you hang up posters on your wall in your room. Um, I had. I mean, I don't know how. I can't. I can't go too far back with posters, but there was definitely a. I definitely had my Shaquille O'Neal phase where I was like a just huge Shaquille O'Neal fan. So I had I had I had all sorts of Shaq posters. I even made like my own little kind of Shaq collages with the magazine covers. I was a hardcore Shaquille O'Neal fan. Uh, I mean. He he's probably still my favorite athlete of all time. Um, just, I mean, not only was he an amazing player, but I mean, hilarious guy and just great personality. So he was um, in the yeah. awesome movie Kazam. He was in Kazam. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Uh, <laughs> Steel was it Steel? Yes, yeah, blue, Ste- blue chip. <laughs> Come on, the guy's like one of the, he's like the Denzel of of, of athlete actors. There you go. <laughs> so you're all right. Your turn. So you can tell me about your. New kids on the uh, wait. No, is it in sync? You probably had it in sync. I I never listened to any of that stuff. I had, mm. I think I had like probably like a Blink One Eight Two poster. Oh my lord! Then like a then like a Heidi Klum poster, and I think that was in my room. Heidi Klum. Yeah, nice. I remember. Yeah, middle school. Like she was like that was the poster to have when I was growing up. <laughs> I feel like any kid now who's a teenager listening to the show or probably in college now. I wonder if they still. You know, I'm assuming kids probably still have posters. I don't know where I was going with that. Yeah, that was kind of random. Yeah, it was kind of random. That was extremely <laughs> random. Oh, here we go. So we're going to, I mean, we're going to, so I, I, I'll, I'll wrap on this one question now. We'll probably have another show between now and Sunday. Yeah. We'll do a recap show for Thursday for Friday, but um, Super Bowl Sunday is this Sunday. I am so detached from the NFL and from football that, like, the Super Bowl means nothing to me anymore, which is crazy because I used to be all about the NFL. But there's no denying Super Bowl parties are, like, a, such a big thing in, in the entire country it's amazing. Like my enti- the enti- it's like it feels like the entire SBI staff is going to Super Bowl parties on Sunday. I was like putting a schedule together for Sunday, and everyone's like, "Oh, I got a party! I got a party!" And I'm like, "Really? Everyone has these parties?" So my question to you is, uh, it's a little bit of a two parter. Are you having a Super Bowl party? And what's the number one um, snack item, food item on your menu for a Super Bowl party? Um, well, since Super Bowl is in Phoenix, Ivis, I'm going to all the VIP parties, so. <laughs> is it really? Yeah. I Are mean, you really detached? I don't, man, I could give, I could care less, man. I honestly watch more, I, I probably watch the commercials more than the game itself when I, at this point. It's, I'm so detached from you. You probably know it's Phoenix, though, because um, the Premier League show is doing a live taping in Phoenix, actually. So if you watch okay. it, so if you watch it on Saturday, Sunday, it will be in Phoenix. <laughs> Okay, so answer the question. Um, I think my parents are having a party, so I'll go to my parents' house. I think they're making barbecue. I think my mom is going to do barbecue. What's for one? And then my number one is I make a really awesome salsa. I'm going to bring that and guacamole. Those two things I can make. I'm really good at that, so that will be on so, my plate. So chips and and your sauces and your and your salsa. That's yeah. your number one. Okay. All right. Fair enough. So, well, are you not going to party? Nah, I mean I don't know. Maybe, I mean if my if the kid if my boys want to do something, maybe we'll do something. But um, no, the first thing on my menu is gonna be is gonna be wings. I mean, come on, wings are the number one draft pick of of, of the Super Bowl party snack uh, draft. I'm sorry, I got you. Got to go wings. Would it be number one for me? But... 
That's you, man. You're you're That's you're me. a chips and salsa guy. Yeah, chips I and mean, guacamole too. You gotta throw guacamole in there. All right, there you go. Can't leave it's, guacamole out. Well, you're you know we we're not we're not all living in that tax bracket where we can afford guacamole. What are you talking about? Avocados <laughs> are like ninety nine cents at the store. How much are they in? How much are they back oh. east? I'm just kidding. And it's funny, like you know, you hear like with Chipotle when, like you know, it's extra for guacamole. Oh, dude, it's 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 a ripoff. Don't get it at Chipotle. It's a ripoff. I know, but it's like the running joke that people always say. It's like it's like I, I do like I know it's extra. I can afford it. It's hilarious. It's, it's hilarious. Mo, Maurice Du had a pretty good meme, uh, meme on uh on uh, I think it was on Twitter when it it showed like it was at Chipotle and it had like bottle service girls, but instead of holding up bottles, they were holding up. <laughs> That's pretty funny. Pretty hilarious, but uh, but yeah. So, but I'm still going wings, going wings. All right, I think we've wasted enough people's time. It's time to wrap it up. Yes. Uh, well, Ivis, get be- get better, get healthy, survive the storm for a few more days, and we'll come back and, <laughs> and do a show this week. <laughs> yes, yes, sir. And uh, make sure you know if you're listening to the show and the game still hasn't been played, make sure you're checking out all the coverage on SBI and on Goal.com. Uh, pre-game and obviously post-game and we'll have live commentary on the match on SBI so make sure you check that out as well uh, and then yes we'll be back we'll, have, we'll hopefully knock on wood drop a show on Friday recapping the game and recapping all the stuff that's gone you know another two days of MLS news and there's MLS news every single day now so uh, make sure you listen on Friday that's right alright Ivis well uh, I'll talk to you later this week man have, have, a, have a good rest of the week Thanks, man. You too. And as always, everyone, thank you for listening to the show. So you have, have yet to give Ivis and I a review on iTunes. We greatly appreciate it. Also appreciate the comments. That is Ivis Glarsub. I am Garrett Cleverly. This is The SBI Show.